it's never gonna get old. Who <laughs> has a side off? And welcome back to the Empire Dynasty League Unnamed Corporate Sponsor Podcast. Been a long time coming since our pre-season reviews of every team, but boys, we are back and we are here to actually talk about actual football, not hypotheticals anymore. So joined as always, we've got Christopher Keane. How are you, mate? Yeah, very, very good. Good to be back, boys, and great to have some fantasy back in our lives. Absolutely. And Brody Hoddick, how are you, buddy? Fantastic, boys. We've had a bit of a layoff, but it's good to be back on the pod. I know the boys are dying to hear it. Favourite time of the week. Here we go. That's it. And uh, it's funny you mentioned the listeners out there because we've sort of always anticipated that it's just the 12 people in our league that listen. But we've got a few stats now that we've become big time and we can we can review where this, uh, this podcast reaches. And it, it's as far reaching as America. We've seen some listeners out in America. One listener, I'll, I'll be specific. Uh, a few, a couple out in New South Wales. I don't know how the hell it's it's ventured over the border in a lockdown. That's that's an impressive feat uh, at the moment. So there you go. There's there's more people listening than just the uh, the dwellers of this league that we anticipated. So let's kick it off. We've we've actually got some legitimate news, some legitimate reviews to go on, and uh, and getting ready to to really get underway with an exciting start to the season. Um, and let's hope that it's a full season with everything going on in the world at the moment. So NFL news, we'll kick it off. And Mohamed Sanu, is, uh, he's just been signed by the 49ers, which doesn't uh, doesn't speak a lot for the health of Debo Samuel at the moment, who's just been put back on IR, as um, we'll talk about the injuries in a second. And Brandon Ayuk, who I think has got a hamstring concern at the moment, and for a bloke who relies on speed and quickness and breaking uh, out of his routes, that's probably not speaking wonders for, for those two injuries at the moment. Um, and then probably the more important news of the... Here comes the money! Here we go! Money talks! Here comes the money! Oh, yes. Here comes the money, and that is the running backs. My goodness, is the money coming to them, those elite running backs that at draft season were going in with the concern over will they, won't they get a long-term contract? Kamara, Cook, they're both getting uh, they're both getting the money. And then Cooper Cup also swoops in and gets a very nice juicy deal uh, at the Rams there who seemingly just love throwing money around as Keeney just alluded to earlier before we started the pod. They're currently paying how much money to Brandon Cook and um, who was the other player? Oh, Todd oh, Gurley. Yeah, so they've, I think Brandon Cooks, um, they're paying him $23 million this year to get him off their books or get him off the roster and $12 million for Gurley. So, so they just... A lot of dead money on their books at the minute. Money to burn over there. We'll jump, we'll jump across to injury news. Uh, there's a few injuries to come out of week one, some, some minor ones and some also, I guess, uh, disappointing news for some players. So Miles Sanders, he looks set to return... In week two, with that mystery lower body uh, injury that kept him out of week one, sad news for for Manny and Marlon Mack with an Achilles tear, and Keeney's flexing his Jonathan Taylor muscles off to the side here. As I mentioned, that one a bit of sad news. I think he uh, 
you know, as a, as a Colts fan here, Hodge, how does, how does it feel to hear that news from Marlon Mack? Very, very sad, Ben. It hurts even more with Kenny celebrating an injury like that. But, um, yeah, pretty unfortunate in a contract year to have an injury like that. But silver lining here could be the Colts. You know, he might he might not command the amount of money that he, he could have. So maybe the Colts bring him back to have a tandem with big steps for the years to come. Yeah, it's a... It's a good. It's a good point you make, actually. And I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm not one for celebrating someone's injury. It's obviously a pretty shocking injury, especially for a running back to go through. Just, um, just excited to see the great man flex his muscle at the position a bit earlier than what we anticipated. So, be good early. To be that earlier than <laughs> what we might have. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. There it is. Uh, first one. There's the first one. Well, it's uh, it's taken all of. How many, I'm not even timing this. Probably should be timing how long this pod goes for. It's taken all of a few minutes for Kenny to drop that one. Uh, Blake Jarwin with an ACL injury. It's a bit of sad news. And Hod, I know you had big raps on that bloke. <sighs> uh, his big breakout year will not happen, unfortunately. Yeah, big size all around here. Had big plans for big Jarwin. Oh well. But again, it's. With a dynasty format, I think it's still a it's still a decent tight end to to roster and to have sitting there in a dynasty um, format. You see these guys that come back from from injuries and break out in their third fourth year. So I wouldn't you know hope's not all lost there with with Blake Jarwin. I don't think. Yeah, I think that is a bit of a sweetener. The fact that your list is going to go around next year as opposed to a redraft where it's pretty disappointing in week one when you lose someone you had such high hopes for. George Kittle, someone you had high hopes for. Keeney, he's uh, got the MCL sprain. Is that what it officially was listed as? Didn't look good. Well, I'll tell you what, it looked awful. It looked like a hyperextension initially. Mm. And it was, a, it was an injury that could have been avoided if his QB, Jimmy G, decided to put it on target. But no, he sailed it wide over his head. I nearly had a stroke sitting on the couch watching it. I thought he was done for the year. Jimmy um, Gross. But it, looked like, it looked like best possible news at the moment for, for Kittle. He might only miss one, maybe two. So, mm. fingers crossed, not too bad. Isn't it amazing how invested we are with our players? It's like they're our own kids. <laughs> but uh, I did. I was watching that live as well. And let's just be thankful for George Kittle. It was a defensive back because if that was a linebacker, I don't think that knee would have taken too much more weight. No, that's a good point. And the way that his sort of foot slipped out and didn't quite get grounded at the time, it just, yeah, it wasn't a nice look. And uh, one that sort of went under the radar a bit, I think during the game, it's come out more just recently, is the Michael Thomas ankle injury, which as the days go on, it's not looking too great for Michael Thomas. I know they were talking about potentially putting him on IR, which is only three weeks this season. It's not the full eight weeks like it normally is, but um, probably says more about the severity of it. I know he was quite reluctant to be put on IR, but what do you think about that, Keeney, as a Saints fan? Yeah, it happened really late in the game when we were trying to run the clock out. Um, he's got his ankle caught under one of the offensive linemen. So it was a, bit, it was a little bit innocuous, really. Um, but from all reports, he's kind of a he's kind of a tough guy that doesn't like to miss games. So he's, he's willing to fight through injuries. But what a lot of people are kind of reporting is he's best off to actually take a few weeks off hmm. and just to get... In a, in a year where hopefully the Saints can contend. Um, if he's just carrying a niggling injury all year, for the, for the good of the team, it's best to take two or three weeks off, I would think. 
Well, he might be tough on the field, but we know he's tough on the <laughs> socials. He's <laughs> a very tough keyboard warrior. He's, he's, he's a soft butter on the socials. So I'm more than happy to admit that he's shocking on Twitter and <laughs> yep. Instagram. Uh, Real sooky, la-la type stuff. It's ridiculous the battles he gets in on Twitter. Anyway, Chris Godwin, he's, uh, he's come out with a late concussion. Uh, he's on the concussion protocol, I think, at the moment. Isn't that right? And it's with the... When are the Bucks playing? They're an earlier game, aren't they? Yeah, 3 a.m. against the Panthers is a juicy matchup. But, yeah, so uh, it might be a bit... The timeline might not be working well in his favour there, I think. I think he may have got concussion from the whiplash that from Brady's balls overthrowing every receiver. It's you pretty... you know a lot about Brady's balls. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I've got it on good authority. Yeah, well, I, I can't explain that. <laughs> we will talk about the residents of the Papa Springs in the yeah some there's some old balls in the review and preview. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll uh, we'll move on there. Lev Bell, he's he's suffered a hamstring injury under that horrible situation he is in with Gase. So they put him on IR for the three weeks. What do you reckon about that, Hod? Well, it, it's funny you mentioned Gase because there is a little theory going around that um, him and uh, Bell and Gase obviously don't get along. And you saw on that wheel route that Bell injured the hammy um, and clearly grabbed it. Well, Gase... Gase has Frank Gore there sitting in the background who he loves. And he actually sent Bell in for another couple of plays where who knows if it worsened or not. So that might have been a little ploy from Gase just to get the ageless wonder in for... This is another good point. His next two matchups are against his two last teams, the Niners and the Colts. So it might not be his last two teams, but two teams he's definitely played for in the past. So... I'm pretty confident. Might. I'm pretty confident that Frank Gore is probably going to play against every ex team that he's been on this season, isn't he? How many <laughs> seasons true. has he been on at this point? <laughs> that's true, but he's, you know, the next two weeks he might be extra motivated, Kenny. <laughs> Controversy <laughs> with that call about Adam Gase. Yeah, love, wow, a good, boy. love a good conspiracy. conspiracy theory on the pod. This is who knows what this pod might morph into. We might have a okay. segment of. Hod's conspiracy theories everywhere. <laughs> I like that. That needs to be a segment. Hod's conspiracy once a week. Beautiful. We might bring oh, it back. I need a sponsor. Need a sponsor. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll talk to our unnamed corporate sponsor and see if we can get them involved in that one. Um, we've got James Connor, James Glass Connor, as he's known, goes down with an ankle injury pretty early after uh, Tomlin talked him up as the bell cow all off season and. Tell you what, Benny Snell came in and looked very, very good. He looked much improved as a running back for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and and I guess in a in an offense that loves to just stick with one uh, running back. So I think Scoot will be a bit nervous about him going down very early with an injury. And I think you've got Benny Snell, don't you, Ben? I do. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, no worries. It was <laughs> interesting actually. A journo asked Mike Tomlin after the game if he sees Benny Snell as a potential workhorse back. And, and his response was, well, I think if you watch the game, like the answer's right there. So that's pretty encouraging for Benny Snell owners going forward that with Connor out of contract, I think, at the end of the year as well, that they look pretty comfortable with him as a, yeah. a workhorse back potentially. Just interesting body language as well from Connor when 
early in that game, he was looking like visibly frustrated when when players weren't going his way. And then Tomlin looked pretty annoyed as well when he went out with the injury. I mean, you can't be angry at someone for getting injured, but I just wonder whether he might question his toughness a little bit. I don't know. I'm speculating well, a lot here. No, it's, it's a good speculation because Tomlin did basically spend the whole off-season backing James Connor. He's like, you're my man. I'm going to back you. And then it sort of seemed, there was something weird going on. It sort of seemed like he gave up a bit. I don't know how mm. severe the injury is. There's talk of him playing this week. But it'll be interesting to watch whether Tomlin and, and Connor now have a bit of mistrust, if you like. Yeah. And, and just one last one on Connor before we move on. Um, Jake really did flag it in his right of reply about a few players on, on Scoot's side. And he was very scathing about James Connor's negatives, which I won't go into on this yeah. podcast, but Jake's a visionary. He didn't mince his words. He, he might have not commented. <laughs> he might have commented on a certain aspect of Connor that we all were taken aback by at the time. But anyway, we'll move on. Uh, Debo Samuel, he's been put back on IR just before the start of their game in week one. Uh, they, as he was progressing along nicely, they were sort of anticipating he could make it back for week one. He's had some setbacks with that uh, Jones-Frank injury there. Keeney? Yeah, the Jones fracture. And Jones I was just going to say... Frank, I've combined two injuries. And with that, But what I will say, Hod, is that we gave the listeners the good mail a couple of weeks ago with you saying, don't get too excited about straight line running with this Jones fracture. Um, it can be once you start cutting is when that's what we need to see. And so obviously he's um, had a bit of a setback there. So good mail on the pod from you, Hod. Mm. Yes. I, I have taken away some knowledge in my everyday travels in my job. But um, yeah, it's it's just a fracture that you can refracture it very easily. So it's it's one to watch for the rest of the year as well. Yeah. So are you saying that he may have refractured his Jones, Frank? <laughs> I think the biggest... I have good... Good medical mail. <laughs> the biggest the biggest takeaway is listen to Hod for medical advice and not me. <laughs> the <joke is> <laughs> oh, oh, and I'll continue with the medical, I'll continue with the injury news because I've got such a good grasp. <laughs> Sounds like a bar in the MPC. <laughs> the Jones Frank bar. <laughs> Should open up after this lockdown. Um, and then finally, I mean, a, a very much maligned, controversial player at the moment in this league, Philip Lindsay, uh, which we'll get into in a second. He's gone down with some turf toe and a bit disappointing for the, the Philip Lindsay truthers out there because he was looking pretty solid before he went down with the turf toe. He looked very competent in that offense and they did look genuine like a 50-50 RB1 split before he went down. And the reason why it's controversial, I moved into league news uh, is because of that trade. Hod, do you want to uh, recap the trade that has kicked off just a furor of uh, of back and forth in our chat? Yes, it did. Um, the the trade, Keeney got a 2022 first 22. Um, from Jim for Philip Lindsay. Now, there was a lot of talk, um, namely from Papa, who obviously felt that Keeney got better in his division, but... Um, yeah, at initial thought, I, I, I really just looked at it being Jim and I'm like, oh no, what's he done again? And the reason why, I've got a little fun fact for you. I did some deep diving after that trade and over the last year in 
both of our redraft and dynasty, there has been 54 total trades. Do you always want to have a stab at how many Jim's been involved in? We're going number or percentage? Either. 54 total. You have 10 trades at least, I would have thought. 10? 10? No. Of the 54? I was going to say more than 10. Yeah, go for it, Ben. I was going to say 20. Bang on. Yes. (laughs) Out of 54, 37% of the time that sleeper alert comes, Jim's involved in a trade, the bastard. I mean, what? (laughs) Um, Yeah, my first initial thought was, what's Jim done here? But um, in Dynasty, I mean, Keeney's getting a pick in two years, and who knows what pick that'll be. Jim's just posted a 170. So that could be a 10, 11, 12 in a rookie draft and two years later. So I think it's a completely fair trade. I think as well, the thing to keep in mind and something that obviously is new to all of us is that, yeah, first round pick sounds sounds great, but he's also, you've given up a player and you've given up scoring from that position for the next. So what the return that you got, you're not going to get any returns on it for the next two years. So I think you've got to factor all that sort of stuff in. And, and if anything, we've sort of spotted already in just one week of this, your bench, you need some depth there. And, and in some of the, the benches in week one, they were pretty light on in the scores that they return. And I think as, as the seasons go on, we're going to really feel what a lack of depth is going to cost us in this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to add too much more. And I don't really feel like I need to but I will too much more than I bloody have. Because um, both parties are happy with the trade. So I think that's the bottom line. Um, but I will say, like, actually, if you watch Philip Lindsay and how they used him, um, it looks like, as you touched on, it looks like he's certainly has standalone value in that offense. Um, unfortunately, he got injured. But also, Jim has Melvin Gordon. So if for mine, if Melvin Gordon gets injured, I think yeah. there's a clear path for Philip Lindsay to have a pretty handy um, fantasy season. So... The fact that he's got Melvin Gordon as well adds to the appeal of the trade. So I think both both parties walk away happy and, and enough said. Yep, that's it. I mean, Philip Lindsay on the surface, not a very attractive sort of player to have, but he, he just scores points. I mean, I've had him in the last few years. And I'm not talking about his physical appearance, Hod, as you uh, had a little smirk when I said he's not a very attractive player. <laughs> that afro says a lot for him. Uh, but yeah, no, and I think the fact that he also goes hand in hand with being a handcuff for Jim is, is just an added element to that trade. So anyway, we'll move on from that. Cause I think it's taken up way too much of everyone's time. Uh, our last bit of league news though, before we do move on to the results, Hod, I'll, I won't keep you from going through that. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> so uh, did we touch on the, the other trade? No, that's what I was trying to tell you up for. Oh, cool. So, um, and the other one, speaking of, Jim's always in trade. So, um, the DFF traded away Jalen Richard for a 2021 fourth, at, sorry, and a 2021 fourth to Jim for a 2021 third. So, I, I know that you went off and did some research about the amount of trades Jim's been involved in the other like across both leagues. Can you do a breakdown of just this league alone? Because <laughs> I feel like every trade involves him in this league. Uh, I, did, I, I do have that breakdown. I'll, I'll find it and get it back to you by the end of the pod. All right. Perfect. Um, but yeah, why don't we jump? Oh, wow. Well, well, why don't we jump into the week one? <laughs> because 
Gee, well, we oh boy, oh boy, um, dingers. One seventy-one versus Pappas punishes one forty. Now, didn't Pappas start running his mouth after Thursday night football, which seems like an eternity ago? Put the logo up, have a look at him go, chest out, but uh, definitely come around and silence the little man. So, um, was good to see. <laughs> Ryan and Cam, they um, nice little quarterback room there for week one. McCaffrey doing his own thing, Julio as per usual, and then Big Adam Thielen had some junk time. Don't we love junk time, boys? He uh, he's led the way for my team, and Papa got off to a hot start with Kelsey Johnson and Carson on Thursday night football. But then it got pretty cold for him. Not many uh, others showed up, so. Was just just nice to be able to ask Papa to put the logo up again on Tuesday afternoon our time and nah, not many, not much from him. Crickets, absolute crickets. Just punished himself after that Thursday night. I, I, I bet he did. <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, the second game review, and this is arguably not even arguably was game of the week. One hundred and seventy-two to OJ Legal's. Team two versus uh, the Gym City Lions, 169. Shit, it was close. Apologies about that. Gym City Lions, you've just combined teams there. Oh, I need to do this again. That was shy. <laughs> no, keep going. This is staying in. Uh, I'm sworn. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped the next one. Nah, that's keep all right. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. I don't give a shit about oh, sponsors uh, anymore. <laughs> anyway, point is, it was a close game. Three points in it in the end. Um, it was an absolute QB shootout at the um, from the outset. Jim's two QBs, Rogers and and um, Cousins, obviously faced off against each other in a really high scoring game. Rogers went off for about thirty. Cousins went off for about twenty two or so. So he's only got two QBs on the roster, but they both went nuts. Um, mm. So um, it was good for for Jim. Um, and I think Jake sitting there um, pretty happy with kind of those receivers that he took early. Um, and obviously, I think Zeke in particular as well looked really good. Um, he was involved a lot in the passing game. Um, so that looks like a really good pick there at pick five, which we which we talked about a little bit. But Hopkins, which we'll mention a bit later, Ridley was um, went off. Um, his one concern at the minute would be Odell, I would think. Um, but we'll go into that. But in the end of the at the end of the day, it was actually came down to that Monday night game with Tennessee and, and Denver. I think there was about seven points separated them in going into that game and, and Jim had Gordon and Derek Henry on both sides of, of, um, of the game and with Philip Lindsay going out at half time it was I don't think Jake could kind of look he had Noah Fant who, who played pretty well as well but it came down to that last drive uh, third down at the goal line and they elected to pass so got out of jail Jake and um, notched up a win but I think Jim City the Stallions mm. would be pretty happy with his week one performance the Stallions could be the dark horse. Is that what you're putting out there for the season, Keeney? I did say that. You did. Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, it just, it it reminds me of how big Jake was on Calvin Ridley. It was his favourite pick of the whole draft. And in one week, he's, he's paid dividends already. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come for Jake. I think he was... Uh, pretty chuffed with that one. And Hopkins, as you said, he got him at very good value. And in that unknown new offense, he's already looking pretty good. Um, and while, while we're here, we must pay congratulations to Jake. We've got the, the weekly 
uh, money or cash grab. So he, uh, I forgot all about it, I must admit. And you then... mean, uh, hold on. What? Oh, let's try that again. <laughs> hey! Hey, oh. can you tell we've had two weeks off a of pod? Jesus. Not enough oh, wow, hey. No, but we have to, yeah, credit where credit's due. He, he just pipped me, um, Jake did. So 40 bucks. Yeah. Yep. He'll, no, he'll be I'm able to spend that on an awful lot in Melbourne at the moment. <laughs> I have it on good authority that, that one Brody Hoddick has been checking the sleeper app day in, day out, just to see if there's any adjustments, just to see if yes. the 40 bucks go his way instead. He got quite excited when he noticed that CMC went up by 0.1. <laughs> oh, yeah. Were there any other adjustments? <laughs> no. Other than my pants, no. Oy. All right, we'll move to the next game, which was the Bayside Executioners against the San Diego Demons, 142 to 92. And didn't the Bayside Executioners just have those gifts teed up, ready to go for when, when his win was well and truly uh, sealed? So I think the um, I think some big takeaways is that Camo's first round picks for the next two years could be a bit juicy. Uh, pulling out 92 with with the list that he's got at the moment. You would think that Mahomes and, and Watson, I think he's banking on them being the two players that carry him a lot. And 20 points, I think, for each, was it, in the end? 20 points, yeah. So I think he's going to need them to do a bit more than 20 points each game uh, to help his team out. Or he's just going to need some of these wide receivers that he brought in. In McCole Hardman, he scored 1.1. Harry... Uh, Nikhil Harry, 4.4. Terry McLaurin, 8.6. I think he was probably hoping for an awful lot more from those three blokes who he brought in post-draft there. And uh, and then on Scoot's side there, he's, he's pulled out 142. I think he'd be pretty happy with with the score that he's got there. But he's uh, got to have concerns with James Conner's ankle injury. I think uh, he clearly knew the injury risk that came with Conner. And I think a lot of people did, and that was why he maybe sort of went where he did. But to go down already in week one with an ankle injury and then for his backup to look, you know, as solid as he did, I think, has got to just leave a little bit of concern with Scoot there. And then finally, um, yeah, while Scoot's team looked strong, I think the real question here is that uh, will he bring in Trubisky next week just to bolster that lineup? Trubisky just being the number one QB bench warmer of the week pulling out a 24, I think it was. So he's got a nice matchup in the Giants next week. He might just be tempted to play him there. And there's actually a rumour circling that Jake's offered Scoot Trubisky for some fab. So <laughs> who knows? Oh boy. We know he's a big homer. <laughs> That's a lie. Time will tell. All right. Then uh, another, look, high-scoring affair, the the Prestige Worldwide putting up 123 against the Park City Lions, putting up a, a monstrous 102 points, uh, which I think when it's almost disappointing when they show you the max potential points that you can score. <laughs> it makes, makes you feel like you've done a lot right when you score 102 out of a possible 142, I think it was, Kenny. Just to the listeners at home, he's rounded that up from 101.7, just so you know. <laughs> Matt, Absolute mismanagement. Don't work in decimals. I've also rounded Matt down somehow. He should be 124 if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> Stiff, Matt. Um, no, it's, uh, I mean, 
it's it's positive and negative signs, I guess, when you have a potential max score difference of 40 points. But uh, it's nice to know that my team can at least compete with those teams that are putting up big numbers. They're clearly not competing with the teams that can put up 170. But uh, I think we've already been over that. I sort of wasn't anticipating my list to be in that way. Uh, takeaways here is that Lamar, I think, picked up where he left off last season with his MV, MVP uh, season there. He looked pretty solid. The Browns' offense, my goodness, are they just playing like their namesake? <sighs> Quite stinky. Oh, um, and, yeah, from Matt's side of it, he's got a mixed bag from his tight ends that he uh, invested in. It was an interesting sort of part of the draft that we spoke about. And I think he, Mark Andrews looked just solid, continues his efficiency off uh, the targets that he gets. Darren Waller, he got eight targets, looked pretty solid. And Evan Engram, odd, a bit of validity <laughs> in what you were talking about there. Jesus, he did not look good. He dropped everything that came his way. I think he had seven targets in the end uh, and caught two of them. No, maybe that's even being generous. Yeah, no, two of seven. That's... That's pretty bad. And I was watching that game pretty closely being a Giants fan. And my God, did uh, some of those drops just absolutely stink. So I, I think the other big takeaway from both sides here is that the rookie wide receivers on both sides of the ball, yeah, they underwhelmed. They probably performed like a lot of people anticipated rookie wide receivers. I think the biggest score might have been at 7.6, I think it was, to Jerry Judy. Oh, no, 8.4 to CeeDee Lamb. So... I mean, nothing to, to write home about. And, and when both Matt's team and my team are kind of relying on those rookie wide receivers to pay off, I think both of us are going to be hoping for a bit more as the weeks go on. I'll, I'll just disagree slightly with that. I actually thought that Rager, um, Jerry Judy in particular, they looked, and, and also CD, I actually thought, yes, they didn't score great in fantasy, but I thought... For a dynasty point of view, they look really good. And like Jerry Judy, he's got some nasty footwork on him. And I just think, yeah, he's got a heap. We know their wide receiver class had a heap of talent. And I just think in terms of early days, I know, but um, they all look like they could definitely be hits in the in the um, NFL. So I'd be really happy if I owned them in dynasty. Absolutely. And just keep in mind, no preseason games. This was the first time that those rookies have ever faced off against NFL defences. So you can probably expect the drops. I know Ingram's not a rookie. I'll just throw that in there. But um, definitely the rookies, uh, I thought they all showed huge potential. And especially another one is Ruggs. He was dominating before he had a little ankle injury or something. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a good day from all the rookie receivers. Hmm. Yep. And just for the listeners at home, the, the smile on Hod's face when we talk about Evan Ingram dropping passes is just... It's, <laughs> no, we talked about earlier not, not getting excited by people getting injured, but yeah, this yeah. guy is just smirking from ear to ear. When Cheshire Cat uh, comes to mind. Well, look, this, this show is going to be about all our week one hypothesis and overreactions. So I kind of wish we did a hot take segment because he would have been right at the top for mine. Um, two catches out of seven for nine yards for bully. <laughs> early days, early days. We'll move on to the next game. And that was Johnny United's sensible haircuts. Uh, 132 knocking off yours truly. 117, not enough. 
Um, oh, perfect lineup though. What a what a perfect lineup you oh, set in week one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I Just got the maximize those points. I got the best manager award because um, I had ten players that could start, and I played all ten of them. So that was oh, well played. Go me, go me. Um, so yeah, didn't didn't get the job done on the field though. So um, in terms of Manny's roster at the minute. Um, Promising signs with Seattle and Russell Wilson, who absolutely torched um, Atlanta, just went off, um, which obviously we kind of thought he might. But that defense might be um, a bit iffy. But the fact that he went 31 of 35, only four four incompletions from 35 passes was nuts. Four touchdowns. Still not getting used that much in the rushing game, but um, geez, he's efficient when he throws it. Can I just add to, um, while we're on the topic of Russ, um, we, we all heard that ridiculous video by him, um, Mr. Unlimited, but I found it interesting that uh, the old we know is that huge running game. And it was very interesting when they had a solid lead against the Falcons, they kept doubling down on the pass. So have they changed their game plan and are actually letting... Russell Wilson be the focal point. And, and this could shape an interesting future for Papa's bell cow, who mm. turned it, he actually had all of his points in the passing game, but only had six carries when they led the whole game. So it was very interesting. No, it's a good point you bring up. And I did read that um, in the offseason that Russ did command a bit more that this offense throws yeah, the ball and actually actually uses their weapons. So it's interesting to see that that's how they've started week one. And it does look like if that's anything to go off, that they are going to go down that path. And this is something we said, I think, even in the last few pods, that with that's where their talent lies, I think, in their offense is their quarterback and their wide receivers. So it will be interesting to see if uh, Pappas Belkow does take a bit of a hit as a result of that. But at least he looked healthy. And I suppose that was one big concern for Carson as well. He, he did look like he, he was looked great. Right. And good news, obviously, there for DK Metcalf owners um, and Tyler Lockett owners. Mm. Um, if they are going to throw the ball a bit more, um, sky's the limit for those two players. Continuing on with this matchup, um, obviously, when we had Steve on for the pod, he talked about just his complete disregard for the running back position in, in Dynasty. Um, but wow, we, is he <laughs> in an absolute world of pain at the minute at that position? His current running backs are Kerryon Johnson, who um, is almost second in line to Adrian Peterson now and non-existent Jonathan, basically. Yeah. He's, he's just not really a part of that offense at, no. at the minute, which is a little staggering. Marlon Mack's done his Achilles. Um, obviously so won't be yeah. doing much this year. Darius Geis is still on his roster. So then now he turns to Jarek McKinnon, um, Wayne Goldman, Samuels, Daryl Williams. It's just an absolute who's who of absolute nothingness in the running back position for, for Manny at the minute. Well, while we mention it, I might bring up that is there a, a positive there? Could Wayne Gorman take over the starting role from Saquon? <laughs> oh, it was a rough outing for Saquon, to say the least. Uh, no, I've I've seen both players play, um, and I think that <laughs> I think that Saquon's pretty safe holding that number one running back spot. I'm. I was very tempted when Papa needed a big score from Saquon to take me down. Uh, I just thought, does, had Papa given Saquon the pep talk that he needs to gain positive yards to win a fantasy matchup? 
because he was going backwards for a lot of that first half. Would you would you call it at that point the pap talk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked oh. like a pap. Oh, Very and- clever. As a Giants fan, I'm I'm quite uh, annoyed that he's jinxed Saquon for the season by bringing him into his uh, punishing <laughs> punishing ways organization. But uh, time will tell. I wish he had a drafted Zeke and put a moz on him. Talk about week one overreactions. I mean, we'll get to that in a second. But Wayne Gorman versus Saquon. I didn't think we'd be talking about that <laughs> in our week one review of the fantasy season. I'll just quickly finish off. Um, Steve kind of had me covered for most of that game. There was about 13 points between us um, heading into the last game with AJ Brown. Um, and on the last drive, if you watch the game, um, he was wide open down the sideline for an 80-yard, 75-yard um, touchdown late, which would have made things really interesting, but it didn't go his way. So Steve gets to 1-0, and uh, we move on. Trust trust the stats man to, uh, to build a nice narrative around an almost win. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, this happened and that happened and this happened and that yeah, happened. Yeah, imagine, imagine what, imagine the result change. Well, I do like speak, speaking of what did happen, um, Timos, Timos had lived up to his projection and he was the bye in week one. <laughs> and, uh, he, he is very much looking forward to starting his real season this week. I've oh. had mail from him so no that that's not true he, he versed the dff um and got the win uh all the hype was probably on the dff even though he lost because there's there's a we'll, we'll talk about it in a sec but um all the rage is on clyde edwards hilaire um that's a massive win for steph obviously because he was a shining light in the kansas city win uh, mixon on the other hand very disappointing that offensive line, we thought that they were getting a few bodies back, but it looked horrendous. So it'll be if if he doesn't get any passing work, from, uh, Mixon might struggle there for a little while. Um, and Steph's quarterbacks were, you know, a talking point coming into the season and and didn't live up to any hype from the DFF. So um, some concerns there. And other than Woods, the wide receivers stunk it up a bit. Um, and on the other side for Tim. Um, I was actually watching the Kyla, uh, the Sam Fran and Cardinals game, and and Kyla didn't look very great for a fair chunk of that. But he, you know, speaks to the player he is. He turned it around in the fourth and saved not only the Cards day but Tim's fantasy day too. So um, Kamara, as per usual, um, I was a little unsure of Kamara. They they threw the epidural word around in the preseason, um, which is a very concerning medical term. Um, but he's apparently had it last year as well, so um, maybe not not as much to worry about there. Will Fuller was a shining light. If he stays healthy, he could be a really um, good player there for Tim this year. And then DK Metcalf, we talked about it. If Seattle keep throwing it, he could be huge this year. Didn't realise that Kamara was giving birth whilst playing NFL, getting epidural yeah. each year. That's that's pretty full on. No, it's, that one. No, well, they yeah, it's they use it for any time you have inflammation in the discs, which is always the, the concerned. Inflammation so, in the what? Disc in the discs. It? Oh, okay. There was an S in there. You know, in the spine. Oh. <laughs> That's better. Use layman's yeah. terms for me, mate. I'm I'm still trying to get my head around Jones Frank. The vertebra. 
Mate, we'll have to have a beer at the Jones, Frank. Bar. It's going to be glorious. <laughs> if, there, if, if there is, in our international listeners, a Jones, Frank bar, jump on board as the major sponsor. <laughs> they very may well be by next week. We'll have to wait and see. All right, I think we should move on to uh, after the breakdown of this week. Let's go to the week one overreactions. Uh, why don't you kick us off, Keeney, with our week one overreaction? Sounds good. I think this is a segment we're going to do after each week and just a little bit of a, a, a weekly overreaction list from each of us. Um, I'll go first. I think the first one, we you just touched on it hard with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and that Kansas City offense. My question is, if we did a redraft again for Dynasty, does he go higher than Saquon Barkley after we what we saw from, from both players on the weekend? And also, is he a lock for, to be a top five Dynasty pick if we did a redraft? What are your thoughts, boys? Um, not for mine. I had a very interesting chat with Steph. Uh, obviously, he's chuffed and um, used the term, I'm so glad he fell to me at 20. Uh, I'm not sure Steph's acknowledging that a little transaction happened post-draft that allowed him to drop to 20. But um, Fake news. Uh, the potential is untapped, really. In that offense, if he is the bell cow, um, I'm sure it's going to flip at some point. He'll probably have less rushing and more catching, but um, he could be absolutely anything. And yes, a steal for now. Yeah. I Look, I think on the surface, Clyde Edwards-Alaire in a far better offense. He's got way higher ceiling right now, but I think the talent in Barkley will still come through. He's a very tough week one matchup. A lot of change on that offensive line. I think that's probably something that probably hasn't been discussed a lot. The centre was moved from guard and there's a lot of sort of adjustment that needs to take place on that offensive line. So I think that as the season goes on, I mean, as a Giants fan, I think this is the best situation that Barkley's been in since he started, to be honest. So I think that uh, there's just a bit of adjustment going on. As you've pointed out already, no preseason for this team to sort of get their their stuff together. I won't swear like Timos did in previous podcasts. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that perfect situation for Clyde Edwards and just a bit of adjustment for Barkley to go through. Yeah, and it's, it has to be noted, Barkley got hit behind the line of scrimmage on almost every carry. So yeah, that even with that talent, cannot escape that sort of pressure. And the Steelers' D is, you know, if not the best, one of. And just to play devil's advocate finally on this overreaction, I mean, there is a, you could make a case for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just because of the pure fact that you cannot stack the box against Kansas City. Yeah. And, and you can against the Giants every week. Or a, a lot of opposition teams will take away Saquon as much as they can. You can't do that against Mahomes. And, and it was interesting when you actually look at the goal line carries that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire got, that's when he got stuffed because they were actually stacking the box against eight and he couldn't get through them. And, and that's when he was less productive. But between the 20s, good luck. So he's going to get every opportunity. Why Why would the Giants' opposition stack the box when they have to focus on Evan Ingram, though? That's a very good point you bring up there. Now, but Darius Slayton and a few of the receivers look good, and um, Golden Tate was a, a laid out in that game as well. So I think that things are going to uh, turn around for Barkley, but it might be a bit slow going at the start. But let's move on to our next overreaction. I think that... Uh, it's one that hits close to home, and that is that is my chub as big as it was prior to week one uh, with 
Kareem Hunt getting the contract at the Browns, is that just going to take a hit to to Nick Chubb's uh, his work in that offense there? And I think it, it was probably a worst-case scenario for him in such a big blowout. He is the, the bloke in that offense who will get the carries. But, uh, yeah, didn't get a lot of work. And with them investing in Hunt, I think that, um, you know, in those game script situations that he's just going to be on the field a lot more, uh, which does kind of hurt because I think my whole drafting of Chubb was in the anticipation that after this year, Kareem Hunt would be gone uh, and he might get some receiving work. So a little bit of concern for the Nick Chubb owners of the world, like myself, but um, what do you boys think? I definitely think you nailed it there with the the game script. Um, I I think if the Browns are going to be as bad as they advertised in week one, I can't see where Chubb just running constantly with a lead, which is what he'd be so good at. I don't see how that plays out. And it would probably go more in line in favour of Hunt. But yeah, definitely think the contract has not gone your way, Benny. Mm. Yeah, I think this is more of a, a real situation than an overreaction, to be honest. Um, just with, yeah, just basically reiterating what you guys have said, it's going to be interesting Chubb coming out of contract in 2021 to see what the Browns actually do if they commit to both of them. We've obviously committed to Hunt for two years. So um, if Chubb ends up going somewhere else, that mightn't be a bad result for you, Ben. So uh, it's a bit of a waiting game until then. Yeah, that's it. I think uh, it's either two things can happen. We we can either cite the fact that this team has a new head coach, a new offense offensive coordinator that they've got to get their head around, no preseason, all that. It could turn around for them. We might be overreacting in that sense. But the other thing that could work in my favor is that he gets to a team that actually can utilize his talents um, because I it's gone probably the other way than what I was initially anticipating with Hunt sticking around possibly for longer than he will. But let's move on, Hod. What's, uh, what's your overreaction take? Well, I'm feeling the pods just become a bit somber with your overreaction affecting you, but I'll take it the other way. I will say, can Cam Newton, my boy, be an elite quarterback again? Now, it's obviously ideal situation uh, week one. It's come out what, you know, what the believers like myself thought with Josh McDaniels, um, having a new toy. He's never had it before. He's a terrible head coach, but he's a brilliant offensive coordinator. I don't anticipate he's going to be rushing as much as he did, but in a league where we're, we still have six-point rushing touchdowns and it obviously favours rushing quarterbacks, uh, what do you boys think on Cam's performance? Yeah, he looked yeah. he looked pretty comfortable. Um, he looked like their running back as well as their quarterback. Um, you sort of go through the carries that their running backs had, and I think Sony Michelle had the most carries with ten. So it was a very mm-hmm. uh, interesting sort of offensive game, and they they were comfortably in front the whole time. I think their defense is going to be solid again this year, like they were last year. So. It's going to be an interesting team to watch the Patriots, how they manage games. And I think they're going to be in more positive game script than not as the year goes on with that defense. Um, So the fact that Cam can scramble for first downs and can also dump it off or run it in when they're in the red zone, I think it's, it could be a very nice pickup for you, mate. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I think it's, it's probably closer to real than an overreaction. Um, and as you touched on with with Josh McDaniels, it's 
interesting stat to come out of the game was that he had 64 yards rushing cam. And that's the most ever in New England history for a, for a quarterback. So 70, just 75, sorry. 75. Oh, did he? Sorry. Yep. Yep. I think 64 was the record. So anyway, he, he broke he just that had, He just had an 11-yard run while we're speaking. Run. <laughs> <laughs> but I think certainly it's, it's probably as encouraging a performance as you could have hoped for. Um, owning him in Dynasty. So, um, yeah, I think you'd be very, very happy with with how he looks early days, but um, looks pretty positive. Yeah, it, it was more just to finish up on that. It, it's The talk was he, he is literally the goal line back, and that's what we saw. When they got down to the green zone um, inside the 10, I know a lot of people talk about the red zone, but that's actually useless stats. It's the green zone. That's where they... That's where they really utilise the play calling and, and a couple of nice RPO runs. Um, and that actually opened up. You know, Cam's never been a real accurate passer. And you look at it, 15 of 19, um, that's as good as you can ever ask for with Cam. And it's just that, that RPO game. It just had slants open all day. And that's not a lousy secondary by the Dolphins. They'll be pretty solid this year with a couple of um, really good cornerbacks there. So, yeah, it, it was very positive. But... These are overreactions, and I'm probably setting myself up for a real fail with Evan Ingram and Cam. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait for it's week two. A hell of a ride. Now, each week we're going to do one of these overreactions each, but I will say this week we're going to throw in an honourable mention here, um, and that is that do we think the two old QBs on Papa Springs roster look a little bit washed and a little bit past it? My initial thoughts um, are that I think it's going to be a little bit more of kind of what it's going to look like going forward than, than an outlier performance, particularly from Breeze. So Breeze only had 160 yards passing. I think the Saints are going to protect him a fair bit. A lot of dink and dunk, which he does anyway, but I think they're going to get it out of his hands pretty quick. Um, a lot of screens, a lot of running game, Kamara, Murray, Taysom Hill will get in there every now and then. Um, Michael Thomas is injured now, so I think even more they'll lean on the running game, and I think they've got a pretty good defense, so um, they'll lean on that as well. Um, I think Brady um, was okay in in patches, but just the fact that he's um, that whole new offense um, doesn't really want to get hit. Um, it's going to be a really interesting watch, and I think we were discussing before the podcast just how thin the waiver wire is in Dynasty, mm. um, and if and if you know, I, I truly believe Breeze will retire at the end of the year. Um, and if that happens, just what the next move is for, for Papa. What do you guys think? Do you guys watch the game? I sure did watch the game. And, um, you know, there's been some defensive ends that have played against Brady, um, actually from your team, Ben, that have always said as soon as there's pressure there, he's a different quarterback. So, um, you know, New England had such a good offensive regime built around him. You just wonder if Bruce Arians is toying a, a bit of his ball game, a bit of Brady's. They're going to take a little time to mesh, but I'd be more concerned with Breeze and Brady, to be honest. It's interesting you say that, Hod, about um, the pressure on Brady because um, I was I was listening to a podcast this week and they were talking about how Arians is more of a pass deep first option. So he's looking deeper and then shallower, whereas Brady's always been shallow first. Like you think of Edelman and these kind of guys running crossing routes and he kind of works through his progressions deeper down the field, whereas Arians is the other way around. So having guys like Evans and Godwin to hold onto the ball for longer, if he feels that pressure, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how those two mix. 
Um, and one quick stat I've got, I know you guys know that I love a good stat, is yeah. uh, Tom Brady enters a really nice group of QBs here. And that is, he's in the mix with Matt Shaw, Blaine Gabbett, and now himself. And that is QBs to throw three pick sixes in a row in three consecutive games. If that's not a sign that he's falling off at age 43, Papa, I don't know what is. Oh, boy. Well, that's that's very amusing that, that not only Brady, but his backup, Blaine Gabbert, are in the same historic stat. And I was actually, just a side note, I was watching the game and Blaine Gabbert's there on the sideline with the iPad kind of going through the plays with Tom. What do you reckon Tom Brady's thinking? <laughs> Blaine Gabbert going, mate, yeah. Uh, I'm the goat. Piss off. I want to hear what you've got yeah. to say about defense's coverage. Cheers for your input there, Blaine. I reckon I've got this. I'd say I'd say Blaine's probably checking up on Tom Brady's potions rather than any playbook, that's for sure. <laughs> TB12. All right, boys, we've probably taken too much time reviewing. Let's get on to the big week two that's ahead and we'll, we'll kick it off with OJ's legal team versus the straight cash homies who's, who's playing his week one game for the year, he reckons. <laughs> so two top-placed teams here. They're both sitting atop their division after week one. Some big scores projected for sure. Uh, I know we some like to believe in the projections that the sleeper up, but they're there for us to have a bit of a look at. Um, Jake, what I do like is Jake has three players in what I think will be a shootout um, between Atlanta and Dallas this week. So that could play into his hands. Um, but for me, the, this is a pivotal game for Kyler Murray. I, I've, I was critical on him in because um, I watched all of their game for the first three quarters last week. And then he turned it around in the fourth. Um, but if he can put on a big display against this front four in Washington that could be one of the best in the league. They sacked Carson Wentz eight times last week. Uh, I know the Eagles were missing some O-line, but they've still got a very good offensive line there. So um, Kyler may announce to the league that he is a dark horse MVP if he can put in a really solid performance this week and would shape Tim's team up. He traded up for him and it would Mm. put him in a really nice spot um, moving forward. But... In saying that, my prediction, I think Tim has a few tough matchups for his wide receivers this week, and we'll just see whether Mike Evans gets up or not. Um, so I, I, I think Jake might grab the win this week. Nice. Nice thorough sort of prediction there, and I don't think Tim Oss will be happy with that. That might get him extra motivated. What do you reckon, Hod, after that prediction? Oh, Tim Oss doesn't need any more motivation. He's, he's all for this. I love it. That's a Very, big game, isn't it? It's huge game. game. Huge game. Absolutely. All right, we'll move on to uh, to one of our own, the Humdingers, taking on uh, the the bloke who probably took up the most airtime of any guest that we've ever had on this show, the Prestige Worldwide, Matty Mack. He's a very prepared man. Will he be prepared for this matchup? Time will tell. He put up 130 points, Hod put up 170, so... Looking to already be uh, a bit of a discrepancy there, but but Matt has an innate ability to play amazing fantasy defense. Oh, He's very good at somehow taking a team that would normally score well and just put a bit of a moz on them to score 90 points. The sub-100 scores is 
is actually incredible when you go back over Matt's fantasy performances. So, Hod, you better get nervous because uh, yes. your 170 could very rapidly turn into a 90 by next week. It'll halve. <laughs> uh, I think Hod is an absolute shoo-in to get a one sub-100 score based off that Moz there. And Sanders back in is going to give Matt an extra little boost that uh, obviously it was his early pick after Dak Prescott. So he missed him in week one and, and Hod might be without uh, with Godwin as well. So that could be a nice little plus matchup for Matt there. So lucky Hod uh, has the number one wide receiver in Carolina though, just to, uh, <laughs> just to fill in. What do you reckon, Keeney? <laughs> no comment. Oh, in case you're wondering, concerned. in case not you're wondering concerned. what I'm talking about, Robbie Anderson just absolutely balled out with his new uh, offense in Carolina, and DJ Moore just maybe taking some notes. Well, I'd argue it's a new offense because the the lure to Robbie was Matt Rule was his college coach there, so he's just slid in there, and DJ Moore owners beware. Jeez, you are happy. You are so happy with yourself. It's just sickening. I have not lost one ounce of sleep over Robbie Anderson, mate. See? He knows, knows how to spin a narrative, this bloke. He spins the narrative whichever way he wants it to go. The last probably takeaway is can Traquan Smith step up as that number one receiver for Nola now that it looks like Michael Thomas might be out. So time will tell there. So my prediction here is that the dingers are going to dong out Thais on this one and get the win. <laughs> you beauty. Oh, you've been working on, on that very, all week. I'm very happy with my work there. Can I, oh, can yeah. I have one, one extra point while we're talking about um, Prestige Worldwide and Matt? Um, if any of you guys feel like you need to trade or have a trade, if you can run that trade by Matt just before you... On the trigger, um, I think the whole league would benefit greatly if you could do that. So just, um, yeah, you know where to find him. Just run it through, Matt, before we get the all clear. Thanks. Can you can you elaborate on the, the commissioner powers you're talking to? Well, look. That was yeah. some sage advice that, that Thais might have offered one of our league members uh, in a drunken Zoom call a couple of weeks back. That uh, in future he should run every trade by him. No, he he said he said someone could be me, could be me, could be anyone else, could be me. That's <laughs> a very repetitive conversation. Oh, gotta love him. Gotta love him. We'll push on. Um, oh, and I was I was very interested by that uh, that I can spin a narrative because that's ironic coming from Lamar himself. He always squeezes Lamar <laughs> into the narrative, but. We'll move on to our very own Keeney, the Grouse versus the Bayside Executioners. Um, could Scoot get Golladay back in maybe? I, I think you'd be hoping that um, with potentially Connor missing. Um, or could he be tempted to implement the Trubisky effect? That could be an absolute shootout. And um, Surely Scoot doesn't want to play Watkins again. I mean, he was, he was texting me last week. He was big on it. But Watkins only shows up for week one every year and then in the playoffs maybe. So I think he'd be tempting fate there if he goes down that barrel again. Um, Keeney, uh, Kittle's injury is obviously a concern. Um, a highly invested player and one of the best in the league um, who's going to shape his side for years to come. So, But 
there's always a silver lining and perhaps the big JT Seps arrive onto the scene and carry <laughs> Kenny He's flexing, ladies and gentlemen. He is flexing right now. Um, but as I seem to do, I, I, I pump someone up and then I bring him down with my prediction. So I do like a couple of Keeney's individual matchups, but I think Scoot's team and the depth um, has a few more favourable ones, which will get him over the line this week. Yeah, no, that's probably a fair call. I certainly need Georgie Boy to, to play. Otherwise, I don't think I've, I'm much of a chance, but we'll see what happens. We'll move on to a pretty... Really strong rivalry. Not much love lost between these two. We've coined it the, the copyright cup here, and that is the <laughs> Lions up against the Gym City Stallions, the Battle of the Cities. It's one of the greatest rivalries in, in all sports. So we really look forward to this. Both sides are 0-1, so a big matchup for Ooh. one of them walking first win of the year. So a lot on the line here and a, and a rivalry game, as we know. It must be rivalry round, Ben. Mm. Early, early rivalry around. But early cross city rivals from way back. I tell you what, though. I tell you what, though. We talked about Ben's inefficiency with his lineup in week one, um, leaving a lot of points on the pine. And I've already noticed that big Malcolm Brown has already been slotted straight into the running back position. He had enough of seeing him scoring points on the pine last week, and you know, there's some there's some been some great tandems in 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 history of sport, including the Bash Brothers. But now we get our first look at Ben's brown chub. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's one of the greatest combos, the brown chub coming right at you, Jim. So look out, dodge, duck, dive, do whatever you need to do. <laughs> but just make way for the brown chub. It's coming at you. All right, let's get back into the game, though. Just relax. I know you're excited by the Brown Chubbs combo. It's not one player. It's a combination of players. Um, looking at Jim's team, though, he does have some tasty matchups on paper. He's got Aaron Rodgers against Detroit, um, who Mitch Trubisky just shred in the last quarter for three TDs. So you'd be pretty confident that Rodgers is going to have a nice outing again. He looks sharp against Minnesota in week one. And then Henry against Jacksonville. If that's a a game script that that's favours the Titans. I mean, Henry had 31 carries in week one. He could have another 30-plus in week two against Jacksonville. Um, so I think Ben will be hoping that um, Henry doesn't go off. And I'm sensing a little bit of a minor upset here. I know Jim scored a big 169 in the first week, but I'm sensing a little bit of an upset. I think if, as I mentioned, if Henry doesn't go off against Jacksonville, I like a few matchups that Ben have. And I think the copyright cup, will go to Benny Parker and the Park City Lions. Yes. It'll be um I, I don't I did miss it, but Jeff Akuda, the number three draft pick, I think, um, didn't play last week. And I wonder if he makes his debut this week and geez, that would be a big challenge going on Devontae Adams. I mean they invested a lot in him. If he does play and go straight to that, could he nullify uh, Rogers number one target? Yeah, it's a, it's a mm. really good point. And another so. good point is that the brown chub is undefeated <laughs> and I can't tip against it. So <laughs> I'm could, really looking forward to it. Could be, it could be one of the greatest tandems for this generation, for, to, for years to come. I mean, the brown chub could just go on and on in, my, in the Park City lines. I hope so. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, we need to move on to another matchup because I can't talk about Brown Chubbs anymore. Let's move on to another really important matchup between the San Diego Demons and Johnny Unitas' sensible haircuts. Big matchup. And Camo's obviously looking here to bounce back after a bit of an underwhelming start. I think he would concede that himself. Um, whilst Manny's the one without Michael Thomas, his number one pick in the first round, and obviously a bit of a stud. So um, that'll hurt him a little bit. But thankfully for him, he's got 15 other wide receivers that he can cover. It's just whether his running backs can get him over the line. So we'll see how we go. Both teams have got two really strong QBs. We know Mahomes and Watson versus Wilson and Joe Burrow. So we'll see who comes out on top. And I think whatever happens in those in that little matchup, I think could determine the winner. Um, so on that note, I'm going to, I'm going to back in Camo here to bounce back, um, and get his season back on track, go back to one and one. Um, and really, if you look at Manny's team, he's going to have to start Frank Gore and Jerick McKinnon in the two stand, um, starting running back spots from, and so for mine, that's just going to be too hard, uh, to overcome and too much to overcome. So I'm going to go for the San Diego demons to get his season back on track. Hasn't, hasn't Manny just set up the script here? If, if Gore and McKinnon can come out and get his team over the line, is there a better way for him to just stamp down his belief on zero RB? Good point. I, uh, I happen to get a bit of a, a live audio recording of his running back room. Um... <laughs> absolute pile of poo. That he's got to roll out there this week. Um, so good luck. So I thought they were so old they were in Pepper Springs and they passed away. <laughs> they could work both ways. I was just going with the stinkiness that, that he's got to roll out at running back. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah, good luck in that matchup. We'll finish with arguably the matchup of the week that Ooh. we've got to look forward to here. The DFF taking on Pepper's Punishers himself. This, I think, can be coined as the battle of the shit talkers uh, in our league. The two blokes that arguably get on the chat and just talk and talk and talk and and defend themselves to the hilt without uh, really any evidence or, <laughs> or background to what they're talking about. But they still love to just chat about how much of a chance they are before the game actually starts. So, look... They're staring down the barrel of an 0-2 start, both of these teams. It's going to get quite heated, and I, I dare say that the the talking is going to start after the Thursday night football game. So I look forward to just that playing out over the weekend and definitely some feeling in this one. And the fire, the fireworks, they're going to be flying about. I, I'll predict that, that uh, the DFF might kick it off and just really hook... Hook Pappas punishes in there and reel him right in, but we'll wait and see. So the ultimate overreaction here in this game is actually going to play out, and that's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire against Saquon. So we'll see how big of a reaction. Look, we're not encouraging betting uh, in this league, but we're encouraging uh, a bit of a bet to go down here between CEH and Saquon. I think both of these blokes who love to talk the talk need to put the uh, they need to put their money where their mouth is and. I think a head-to-head Clyde Edwards against Saquon bet should absolutely take place after this podcast drops. What do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon there is. it is a matchup of the week because these two just do not like each other. And it started the other day when this might be quote of the year, but Steph <laughs> whacked Papa. He said, 
I quote, don't be cranky, mate. You woke up at 3 a.m. to lose two fantasy games and watch Dallas. Move on. Unquote. <laughs> <laughs> that is an absolute whacking. And would there, would there be anyone better to one of the fantasy favourites of this year in Papa, the, the Springs, would there be anyone better to put him in an 0-2 deficit to start the year than Steph? He will never let this down. I was going to say, you, you took the words out of my mouth a little bit. This is There's a lot of pressure on Papa here, more so than... Oh, yeah. Mm. We clearly all think that he's in massive win-now mode, clearly one of the favourites to be in the top four this year. If he starts 0-2 this year, that's a, a bit, bit of a hole to, to come out of. So, big game. And pressure's right off the DFF here, and he can just turn the screws on a little bit. Looking pressure forward to it. Right on. My prediction for this game, it look... As you said, all the pressure on on Papa here. I, I dare say this bloke may be up until three a.m. tinkering that lineup. <laughs> I, I've got a strong feeling he does not want to get this one wrong, and for that reason alone, I reckon on lack of sleep, he's just going to slip up, make a mistake, and the DFF is going to come out on top <laughs> in this matchup. And my goodness, is the chat going to absolutely blow up after that? So there, there's my prediction for you. You're 100% right, mate. This has got 2.55am tinker written all over it. <laughs> oh, absolute scenes here. It's, it's a great start to the season. Uh, how good is it to actually have some games to talk about and some, some fantasy action going on? So I'm, I'm so happy it's back. Uh, it's enough talking about our predictions. It's now nice to be able to analyse things that are going on, to be disappointed, to be happy with some of the long-term plays that are looking to play out. So hopefully everyone is as excited as we are about this kicking off. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've dropped one of these podcasts, but... We look to uh, now have these sort of weekly reviews going on now that fantasy football is back. So another week to look forward to again next week. We uh, will break down the, these week two matchups. We'll, we'll break down all the results, all the news that takes on, uh, place. Hopefully no new injuries or anything that uh, will upset a few of us. But that's fantasy football. We'll have to wait and see what this week has in store for us. So that does it for another week, boys. Hopefully uh, this has got enough content there to get you pumped up for, for the week two matchups here. And uh, as always, thanks to Hod and Keeney. Keeney, any last words? No, it's great to be back on the uh, the airways and really positive stuff from the, in terms of NFL going forward, I think, as well, which is really pleasing. And good luck to everyone this week. And it wouldn't be a podcast didn't finish with old podcast any final words mate? nice you're spot on ben this is you know the, where the pre-season was built up we we gave a lot of information but now the reviews and previews this is where the money's made so i've been waiting 10 days boys but podcast over and out <laughs> <laughs> it's never gonna get old <laughs> who has a sign off on a podcast of 10 listeners <laughs> Oh, fantastic.